When Americans are surveyed about their greatest concern or their biggest worry in life, economic issues come to the very top. Now, for you, you probably fall into the same majority. Economic issues always arise to the top. Most domestic disputes are not over what we're going to do with the children or things in our past. Most domestic disputes are about finances and how we're going to spend the money or why isn't there enough in our bank account. You know, most Americans say that their biggest concern is personal debt. You might be right there in the mix. Others say it's job security, retirement, cost of living. And you know, all those things, they supersede what we consider to be in government the greatest concern, which is our personal health. We think money is more important and more concerning and worrying than if we're going to get sick or how we're going to treat cancer if it ever comes into our life one day, or if we have the big heart attack, how are we ever going to be able to recover from it? No, we think about the costs that are all concerned when it comes to how we're going to pay for the recovery of the heart attack, how are we going to pay for the cancer that might come our way? What's interesting to me is that 80% of Americans believe that there is an afterlife. And the majority of those that believe in an afterlife believe that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And what I also find interesting is more people believe there's a heaven than there is a hell. I don't know how that works out. But I do know this, that as we believe in an afterlife, you've got to believe that if there's two destinations, then there's got to be some kind of a judgment, right? Someone is making an assessment about where you're going. There's some kind of a judgment, and there's got to be some kind of written law, written plan, some kind of creed somewhere that says, well, if you cross it, if you disobey it, then you're going to go here. But if you obey it, you're going to go here. And the Bible points out who that judge is. The Bible says that judge ultimately is God. And uh, the Bible says there's only dis- two distinct destinations in life. That's heaven and that's hell. And so the majority of Americans believe that. Yet, here's the thing. We supersede all of that stuff with a hyper-focus on money. We really don't pay attention to what is to come. And yet, the Bible says if you want to have a joyful outlook on life, you better start paying attention not about what's happening right now or what concerns you in the flesh. You better start concerning yourself with what happens in the afterlife. Let's just imagine for a moment, because the way the Apostle Paul states it is pretty bluntly, that that this little blue section is um, your timeline here on earth. And the rest of this, Well, it's just eternity, and it looks like eternity's knotted up here a little bit. And this just keeps going and going and going, all for miles and miles and miles. But yet, here we are, this little bit, this little section, and this is our life. And we get so bogged down and concerned and hyper-focused on what happens in the blue area of life. And we we say things like this, I'm going to get a good education, I'm going to study hard, elementary school, junior high school, high school, college, I'm going to get a good degree, and then I'm going to land a job, and then I'm going to work hard here, work, 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 and I'm going to save, 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 so that right here I can really live it up. And we've got all of this. And we think, but this is it, right? We've we got to get the kids in all the right spots, and we've got to get them scheduled all aligned, because this is this little section of the rest of our existence matters so much, doesn't it? And we come focused on this. We become focused on the physical, the the temporary. And Paul says, bluntly, he says, friends, if you want to have joy in life, you, you better stop focusing 
on these years here, you better start focusing on all the rest of what's going to happen long beyond this time here on earth. Paul says if you want joy, you better start thinking about this more than you think about this. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Philippians 3. He says in verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what Paul says. If you're a believer and you accepted Christ as Lord, then this should be your focus. Eternity should be your focus. This should be your mindset. Day, night, activity, relationship. And this, this should become all secondary stuff to you. Why? Because your citizenship Your home is here. It's not just here. And Paul begins to speak about it, and the Bible gives us this beautiful illustration of Paul's life that says, I had to discover it the hard way, because I don't want you to have to discover it the hard way. And Paul, he's in prison for a crime he didn't commit as he writes this letter to the Philippian church. And and he begins to write these things and he begins to explore his past and he begins to look into his past. And he says, I want to teach you a lesson and it has to do with my life so that you don't fall into the same pitfall I fell into. And so Paul uses his life as an illustration. I would rather have his life be this illustration than my life. I'd rather learn from someone's hard mistakes than make mistakes of my own. And Paul says, learn from these things. And so one of the things we can learn from is what Paul puts it in another letter. 2 Corinthians 5.1, he says this. For we know that we live in earthly tents. He's talking about our body. And it's one day going to be destroyed, but we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Paul's saying, just start looking at it in the scheme of the temporary. We're not going to be around much longer. The little blue section of eternity, our life, is not very much time compared to the infinite time that we're going to have in one of two destinations. So we better start thinking outside of ourselves and have that understanding And when we have an eternal understanding, a a joyful outlook, it begins by having an understanding that I am free from my past. Because I have God in my life, I can be free from my my past. And Paul puts a little twist on it. Because so often when we talk about freedom from our past, we talk about freedom from our past mistakes or freedom from the guilt we have. And that's, that's undoubtedly true. Jesus has come so that the old warrant of sin that we once had would be taken care of and pushed away. But the Apostle Paul puts it in some unique terms. Look at verse 7 of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says, But whatever were gains to me, past tense, whatever I had gained in the past, I now consider what? Let's say it out loud. I considered a loss for the sake of Christ. Now notice his way of talking. I now Thought some things in my past were great things, but now I look back and I say, whoa, those were foolish ambitions. When I go down into our basement, now I I have a real basement. I don't have one of these like customized basements. This thing has water dripping and dank smell. This is a real basement. It's a man's basement. When I go down there, I have a box that catches my eye from time to time. This box contains all sorts of stuff within it. Stuff from my previous life. My life with my parents has been reduced down to three little totes now. 
I remember when Kelly and I were first married 13 years ago, my parents arrived at our doorstep with all this junk in the back of a truck, and they said, it's yours now. And we had no idea what to do with it. And when we began to look through it, my wife just laughed and laughed and laughed about some of the things I thought were keepsakes as I was an adolescent. She encouraged me to throw them out, but I just, at the time, couldn't bring myself to do it. And so they've just remained. And every now and then, my boys will ask what's in the box, and we'll go through the box. And in the box are old baseball cards. In the box are are tickets from concerts that I thought were important to me, autographs from people who I thought were important at the time. In the box are achievements, uh, accolades from uh, sports and from academics, more from sports certainly than from academics. And in the box are... Our trophy after trophy after trophy. And I don't want to brag to you, but you know, in the third grade, I was a pretty good runner. <laughs> pretty good runner. I, in junior high, I'd pull out the medal. I'd say, boys, this one's for junior high participation award. <laughs> Your father was really something back in the day. But there are genuine achievements in that box. There's, there's medals from going to state for pole vaulting. There's uh, medals in there for going to state for baseball and there's, there's home run balls. There's grand slam balls. I had the muscle to actually do that. You probably can't believe that, but I did. It was a short fence, but I did it. <laughs> and I pulled those things out, and there's some pride and achievement that goes along with it. And I wish we had a mantle in our house, because if we did, some of those trophies would be on it. I don't care if they're from the third grade or not, but they would be on top of it. And at one time, I thought those were important trophies to me. And I guess, in a sense, this is what the Apostle Paul does. He looks back in the memories of his life, and he says in verse 5, words like this. I was circumcised on the eighth day. And you're saying, whoa, why are we getting into this? And Paul says, that was important to my way of life back then. I was a Jew. There were customs to Judaism, and I met all the right requirements to be a Jew. He goes on to say in verse 5, I'm from the people of Israel. Now, you know what? As the bloodline grew further and further away, decades passed, the bloodline of Israel began to lessen and lessen. Paul says, I was one of those from the tribe of Benjamin. That's where the kings came from. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning I was a Jew amongst Jews. I ascribed to the, the ways of the Pharisees. Did you know that Judaism has a lot of denominations within it? And the Pharisees were a denomination. They were a sect of Judaism. And Paul says, I was a Pharisee. And boy, I had it right. I kept all the right laws. I did all the right things. And he goes on to say, I was legalistic and I was righteous and man, I really abused the church, and that was the thing to do because anybody that could abuse the church was someone that really could gain high rungs on the ladder in Judaism. And Paul looks back and he says, but you know what? That doesn't mean a lot to me anymore. Now, accolades are great. I've walked into some offices and been to some homes, and I've found that there are trophies from decades old. There are certificates still on the wall. There's diplomas hanging in offices and, and a recognition of achievement. That's good stuff. But the Apostle Paul says, you know what? When that becomes your aim and your goal, you're going to find yourself living in the temporal rather than in the eternal, and you're going to miss out on a lot of joy. Because what happens after you get your nursing degree? The excitement wears off, and then you get to the humdrum and the rut of a job. What happens once you become a CPA? You make a lot of money is what happens, and then no, you, you get your degree, and you find out, whoa, tax season, and time, it's really a burden to you. And while there might be money to be made, the joy that you once thought you'd have for that degree is not necessarily joy all the time. It's just happenings 
and happiness. And Paul says, look, it's not about the temporal, guys. It's about the eternal. Let's start putting some some stakes in the eternal rather than the temporal. And he continues to write in verses 7 and 9. He says, but whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who for the sake I have lost all things. Now listen to what he says. I consider these things to be garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says, all these trophies, all these things I thought were real special in my past, I look at them as junk because it was a focus on the temporal rather than the eternal. They're not giving me joy now. I mean, I might have kept all the right legalistic commandments, but they're not giving me joy anymore. I might have had all the degrees and the right pedigree, but that's not what brings me joy. Paul says, look, the only thing that brings me joy now in the midst of my circumstances is, is knowing Jesus Christ. Getting my relationship right with Jesus and every day having this closer encounter with God. He says that I might gain Christ. This is what's important. That I might be found in Christ. Now here's my questions for you. Are your current pursuits more eternally minded or earthly minded? What brings you greater joy? Knowing that your relationship in Christ is growing and stronger because that's the relationship that's going to last for all eternity or that you had a bump and increase in salary. Paul would say, man, that stuff that happens here is like garbage compared to me knowing Christ and every day having a deeper relationship with him. Here's another thing Paul says to have a joyful outlook. He says, you have to understand that God has come to give you purpose in your present. Purpose in your present. In the pains, in the problems, in the plagues of life, purpose in the present. And we, when we have God in our life, when we pursue God and we say it's about eternity, not about earthly stuff, it's about eternity, we have purpose for our today. It's not like everything's junk. It's not like we give up living and become monks and nuns somewhere and just give up on life. We say, no, 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 no. We have purpose in this life. But now our pursuits are God pursuits. They're not necessarily man's pursuits. Look at Philippians 3, verse 12. Here's how Paul puts it. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived arrived at my goal he's you know what his goal is right his goal is all the white of eternity that's his goal this is his goal the white of eternity and he's saying i want that same goal for you but i press on and i take hold of what of that for which christ jesus took hold of me brothers and sisters i don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing i do now catch this one thing i do paul's saying i don't get everything in life right but i get this right forgetting what is behind straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, look, one thing I do good is I forget about my past accolades. I forget about my past sins. I press on. I persevere knowing that life is greater than flesh and blood. Life has eternity to follow in one of two destinations. And I want to know Christ. I want to have the gains of heaven. Friends, today you might have walked in here, you might have crawled in here, and you say, life absolutely stinks for me. Or you're, you might be one of those that says, I'm on cloud nine. I don't think life can get any better for me. 
But did you know if whatever camp you're in this morning, God's saying, it can get better for you. I can give you purpose for your present day today, and you can really achieve some things and feel like you've really accomplished something, but it can only be found in me. It can't be your own pursuits. It's got to be my pursuits. And John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he kind of plays Howie Mandel of deal and no deal for a second. And he lays it out to us like this, and he says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. Like it's here. It waits in a briefcase, so to speak. And this is life. It's his son, Jesus Christ, who has the son has life. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And he says, deal or no deal, who are you going to choose? You're going to accept Jesus Christ and have eternal life? Or are you going to accept something else and just focus on the temporal today because it's the eternal thing that gives us the joy that outlasts our pain and problems of the present because here's what we begin to understand in the present when hurts come when joys come when accolades come when downfalls come we realize that god has a plan that's bigger than the plan that i've got for myself when tragedy strikes your house, you realize God is going to do something through this that I never thought could be plausible before because he has, he has purpose in my present. When a new job opportunity arrives and you decide, we're going to take this job opportunity. I know it's, it's something that just sounds insane to us to move away, but we're going to take this new job opportunity. But we don't know what God has in store for us. You can rely on God and say, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God that he has purpose in my present. You know, some of you are here today and, and you're really thinking about becoming a believer in Christ. You're, you're thinking about, should I commit my life to Christ? And, and you're thinking, yeah, that's what I need to do. Commit my life to Christ. And you know what Satan's saying to you? Satan's saying, yeah, you should commit your life to Christ, but you know what? You should do that some other day. Not today. Because today, see, your family's not here. You shouldn't commit your life to Christ. You want your family to be a part of that, your baptism. You want your family. You know, today's not a good day for you. You got things to do afterwards, and, but you really need to do it. Or maybe some of you are here today, and you're thinking, I need to totally surrender everything over to the Lord. You know what? I need to quit thinking about the temporal. I need to start thinking about the eternal. And you know, Satan's saying, yeah, you do. You need to start thinking about the eternal and, and quit thinking about the temporal. But you don't need to do that today. You start doing that some other day. You see, you're too busy today to think about it you know what god's favorite word is god's favorite word is today you know what satan's favorite word is some other day and we live in a syndrome sometimes of saying some other day we'll get around to it and god is saying i have purpose for your today i have meaning for your today let's accomplish something today folks the problem with the someday mentality is someday never comes and it's the biggest trick of satan someday never arrives things don't ever work out as planned and god says today is the day i've made this day 
Let's find purpose in the day. Let's find joy in today, knowing it's not about all the goals and things and the dreams that I want to accomplish. It's about what God wants to do through me, how God wants to use me, maybe to help others or extend love to other people. In Luke chapter 7, verse 31, Jesus had said these words about his generation. He says, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? And he has an illustration. They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you didn't cry. You're saying, I don't understand what that means. Jesus is referencing people who go through life, and they don't hear the music of life. They're just trying to avoid the reality of life, that there are times of celebration, and there are moments of grief. And Jesus says, this is what life is, and understand that we're to experience all of it Because God has purpose in it. But you know, some of us, we avoid pain. We avoid problems. We we even avoid sometimes celebration. And God says, no, no, I want you to go through these things. Because it helps you to be fixated on what's really important. And that is eternity. A life with Christ. The psalmist says, In Psalm 118, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice today and we'll be glad in today. Friends, we no longer have yesterday. Don't worry about it. We don't have tomorrow yet, so don't worry about it. Friends, all we have is today. That's all we've got. That's all God gives to us right now is today. What commitments today for Christ are you going to make rather than planning to make? So Paul throws at us one more way in which we can have a deeper understanding of what it means to live for Christ and and have an eternal mindset and a joyful outlook. And he says, I've come to the understanding that I have a plan for my future, and it's because of God's plan for the future. It's not my plan, it's God's plan, and I'm going to buy into God's plan. Let's go back to Philippians 3. Look at verse 20 with me. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll become like His glorious body. Paul's saying, one day, we're going to have a new body. Some of you are saying, right on, I welcome the new body. Bring it on sooner than later. I need that new body. The Apostle Paul is in that same condition. I don't know. He must have had some bad eyes, according to the Scriptures. He certainly had something that was chasing after him, whether it was demons from his past or some kind of physical ailment, a thorn in his side. Paul's probably sitting there saying, you know what, one day I'm going to get rid of this body and I'm going to have a glorified body in Jesus Christ, and I can't wait for that day. Now, you know what? People that live in the temporal don't think that way. Only those that have an eternal mindset look at death and say, oh man, that's going to be a great experience. I don't want the pain of death, but I certainly want to see what's beyond. I want to see what's beyond the grave. That was Paul's mindset. I want to see what's beyond the grave. The psalmist says in Psalm 5.3, he talks about coming to God early with potential problems. And the psalmist says this, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring requests to you, and I wait expectantly on you. You know, part of the way of knowing that you have a planned future is not worrying about your future. 
but bringing your requests to God, all your hesitancies, all your worries, all the troubles that we think the economy is in, all the pressures of life that we think we're facing and saying, God, I can't handle it. It's, it's, it's beyond me. I can't solve political problems. I can't solve, uh, I can't solve economic issues. I can't solve health problems. I need you in a bigger way. And God says, that's good because you can't worry about tomorrow because it's not going to affect anything. You just have to settle on today and know that I've got a plan for your tomorrow. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus tells us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I mean, I'm going to always be with you. Now, remind yourself, he's going to be with you tomorrow. And he's with you today. So don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. You know, today, you don't have the wisdom for tomorrow's problems. But you will tomorrow. You know, today, you don't have the resources for tomorrow's needs, but God will see to it that you will tomorrow. You know, today, you don't have the courage for tomorrow's challenges, but God will see to it that tomorrow, when you're in it, you'll have the courage to face tomorrow's challenges. I like what he says in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry what you're going to eat, drink, or what about your body or what you wear. Isn't life more important than food and your body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And Jesus says, look, some of us go around and all we worry about is the concerns of the day. And Jesus says, what's the big deal? Don't worry about the concerns of the day. I'm going to take care of you. You start now thinking about how God can use you in the moment. And your tomorrows, you know what? Your tomorrows are going to have enough trouble. But know this, regardless of what happens tomorrow, God's going to see you through it. And if death comes your way, you're saying, hey, what's the big deal? I've already planned for eternity. Jesus asked the question, don't you think you're much more valuable than the birds? And Don't you think you're much more valuable than the flowers? That's a rhetorical question because the hearer is saying, yeah, we're more valuable than all those things. I love 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, Christ, for you are his personal concern. Friends, you don't have to worry about all this stuff that's coming at us and challenging you to think only in the temporal He's saying, throw these things onto my shoulders and start thinking about eternal things and getting right with God and having a greater relationship with Him. And that's where your joy will come from. I mean, after all, Paul says later on in Philippians 4, you know God's going to meet all your needs, right? According to His glorious riches, not according to your riches or according to your wisdom, but to His wisdom and to His riches. And God, God's wisdom and God's riches are infinite. And God's saying, look, I'll pull out of my bank account for you. I'll help you out of my wealth and my generosity. I'm going to give your needs. I'm going to meet them according to my riches. Friends, God's going to meet your needs tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. You focus on what's most important, your relationship with Christ, and joy will overflow. Because what does Paul say? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that can't be seen. For the things that cannot be seen, or the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, well, they're, they're, they're going to last forever. Paul's saying, look, the things today that you're fixated on don't mean much in the grand scheme of eternity. Jesus said each day has enough trouble of its own, and we say, don't we know it? Don't we know it? 
I'm going to give my future over to God. It's secure there. Friends, the joyful outlook comes when you recognize that there is more to our soul and our living than just the years allotted to us. And when we start thinking about a home in heaven and understanding that our soul is secure, I think we can outlast anything this world has to throw at us because God will never leave us or abandon us. And, and, and he tells us, don't worry about it because I'm going to take care of it. And the book of James sums it up so nicely about how we should think of this world. It says, why do you, don't you know that you don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what, what will happen tomorrow. What is your life, he says. He says, you are a mist that will appear for a little while, and then you, you vanish. You're a mist that will appear, and then will vanish. This is my can of life. <laughs> it smells a lot like glad. I don't know. <laughs> and the image is quite simple, right? There's life. Why did I think it was so important to make the team? There's life. Man, and I thought it was so important to put all my energy and effort into making more money for retirement. That's Fred Alsman's life. Probably the oldest guy in the church. My life. Your life. What's the most important about that? It's like a mist. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Man, knowing that that's it. That's all we get. Don't you want to make the most out of that? I do. I want to have the most joyful life I could possibly have in this mist that we're living in. And the way to do it, Paul says, is learn from me. I had to learn the hard way. It's not about the stuff in the moment. It's about what's to come later. It's not about the mist. It's about eternity with God forever. 